Hi, I hope you're having a nice day. Today, in this podcast, we are going to talk about biology, one of the branches of human knowledge that have brought us endless advances that have led us to what we are today. Without this amazing science, the humanity would be incomplete. We wouldn't have a half of the knowledge that we have nowadays and other sciences that makes our lives easier as the medicine, which has increased a lot our life expectancy, they wouldn't even be what they are today. Thanks to biology, we know how to cure diseases, we can understand the functioning of our body and other living beings, and maybe the most important fact, this science looks for the meaning of life. The single concept of life is something that not even the scientists, or in this case biologists, can define. You can think about it more like a philosophic question, but, however, it is not something easy to explain. It is hard or amazing to think in how life is possible coming from things like atoms, which are inert things. It is so weird that until now we don't have an answer. Life is one of those things that we can really consider as a miracle. And it is more awesome to think in how life has been changing, growing and evolving to create two of the most amazing things in the universe, the human brain and the conscience. Basically, we are a part of the universe in which the universe becomes aware of itself, and that's simply incredible. In this episode, I'm going to explain some basic concepts and interesting facts about this fascinating science. So, let's start with this. What is biology? Well, as you can see by what I said before, it is the science that tries, that tries to study the life all the living beings, their features, their classification, morphology, physiology, structure, behavior, vital processes, evolution, and an endless list of things that define something as a life. But what does something need to be considered as a life? What defines us as living beings? Well, the term life implies an organized unit capable of metabolizing, reproducing, and evolving. I'm now going to describe the characteristics of living things, which as a whole are not found in inanimate objects. So, first, they have a complex structure and are mainly made up of organic molecules as proteins, lipids, carbohydrates, and DNA or RNA, and inorganic molecules like water, salts, minerals, and gases. This complex structure is highly organized and according to cell theory, the cell is defined as the smallest unit of life. They present different levels of organization and complexity. Those organisms that consist of a single cell are called unicellular, for example, protists, and are microscopic. In multicellular life forms, cells of a similar type coordinate to form tissues, for example, the nervous tissue. Various types of tissues combine in turn to give organs, for example, the brain consisting of nervous, connective tissue, and blood. Several organs, which together perform the same function, form an organ system, for example, the nervous system consisting of the organs of the brain, spinal cord, sense organs, and nerves. 3. They keep the internal conditions relatively constant by a process called homeostasis. Much of the energy of a living being goes into homeostasis, and the conditions to be regulated are body temperature, pH, water content, and electrolyte concentration. 4. They respond to a stimulation. 
living organisms perceive and respond to stimulation from their external and internal environments. Animals have developed sensory organs that allow them to detect and respond to light, sounds, chemicals, and others. 5. They metabolize. They obtain, use, and convert materials and energy from their, from their environment to metabolize it. Organisms acquire atoms and molecules, nutrients, from the air, water, soil, or other living things. The sum of all the chemical reactions of the cell that allow its growth, conservation, and repair is called metabolism. 6. They grow. In all cases, growth involves the conversion of materials obtained from the environment to form the specific molecules of the organism. This characteristic is evident in the case of plants, birds, and mammals, which are born small and experience a great growth throughout their life cycle. However, single-cell bacteria also grow to almost double their original size before dividing. 7. They reproduce. They continuity, the continuity of life is due to the fact that organisms give rise to descendants of the same type. Although the reproductive processes are diverse, the result is the same, the perpetuation of the genetic material of the parents. And 8. They evolve. Although the genetic structure of a single organism remains virtually unchanged throughout its life, the genetic structure of a species as a whole changes as generations pass. Okay? Those are some of the principal things that we have to have in mind to take something as life. That's the main reason why viruses aren't considered as living things, or for a lot of scientists, so let's talk a, a, a little about them. Sorry. <laughs> um, well, they are really fascinating because they are on the border between what is defined as a living being and the inanimate. They fulfill some of the mentioned characteristics organized and complex structure, reproduction, and evolution, but they do not have metabolism or development. The word virus comes from Latin toxin or poison and is defined as microscopic infectious agent that can only multiply within the cells of other organisms. Viruses are not cells, nor are they made up of cells. They consist of two main parts a molecule of hereditary material and a protein coating that surrounds the molecule. Depending on the type of virus, the hereditary molecule can be either DNA or RNA, either single-stranded single or double-stranded, linear or circular. The protective coating may be surrounded by a composite envelope made from the plasma membrane of the host cell and viruses do not have ribosomes that allow them to make proteins nor do they have cytoplasm, nor are they capable of synthesizing organic molecules, nor of extracting and using the energy stored in many molecules. They do not have membranes of their own and cannot grow or reproduce on their own. The genetic material and the method by which viruses replicate and spread vary between different types. They are the cause of many animal and human diseases such as the cold, flu, chickenpox, herpes simplex, measles, Ebola, AIDS, avian flu, and SARS, among many others. They are currently the subject of a study by many research groups, as there are many other diseases that are being studied to determine if their causative agent is also a virus.
Well, we share this planet with millions of species of plants, animals and microorganisms, to which our life is closely linked. A look around us is enough to see how we interact with them on a daily basis, from the food we eat and the clothes we wear to microbes that reside in our bodies, the air we breathe and the water we drink. We are a twig among the dense branches of the tree of life, a large and complex tree that has lost most of its branches over time. The study of species and the interaction between them and their environment is our own natural story. Until now, more than 1.9 million living species have been described and 20,000 new species are discovered and described every year. Each of them has a unique history and is the result of millions of years of evolution by natural selection and adaptation to its environment. Their lives are interconnected, forming a huge network whose connections are constantly changing the human being is only one more species among millions of species, and the incredible thing about all this is that each species is unique and different from all the others. Our blue planet, which rotates in the vastness of space, is the only place where life is known. A life that has evolved from the simplest over almost 4 billion years. Many others have become extinct, but life itself has thrived and diversified endlessly. The result is an extraordinary variety of living things that scientists continue to study to reconstruct the history of life on Earth. Therefore, I will explain below the, what biological evolution consists of. Well, surely you have all heard of evolution, and surely when you hear the word evolution, things like monkeys, fossils, Darwin come to your mind. But do we know exactly what evolution is? Evolution is a universal process that consists of the gradual change of living beings and other objects in the natural world. Indeed, evolution is something general that affects animals and plants, but also rocks, planets, stars and everything that exists in nature. Then we could talk about biological evolution, a geological evolution and even an astronomical evolution. All these processes normally require time, a lot of time and therefore we are not normally able to perceive them. Also, there are some cases of evolution in real time, which I will talk about later. There is even a discipline in biology called experimental evolution. There are many examples of geological evolution. Think, for example, of the rocks at the bottom of the rivers, the boulders, which originally are nothing more than pieces of rock that come off the mountain and when they are swept away by the current, they hit each other and then acquire its characteristic rounded shape. Another example is the mountains. They are formed by the deformation of the Earth's surface as a consequence of the collision of the tectonic plates. At first, they grow and grow until they reach their maximum height, and from there, the erosion and the same movement of the plates make them go round at the top and decrease in height. Biological evolution, or organic evolution, as some call it, is what you normally think of when you talk about evolution. It is the process by which life on Earth originated and which has given rise to the enormous diversity of living beings that populate our planet. The theory of evolution, as it is known today, was developed by Charles Darwin. Although, some scientists of his time already accepted the idea that living things change over time and that there are different degrees of relationship between species. 
However, there was no clear consensus of why this this of why this was happening. Sorry. <laughs> um, most believed in divine design. That is that everything, including the process of evolution, followed a plan established by God. Darwin collected for years an enormous amount of examples and data supporting evolution, and his main contribution was to pro to propose natural selection as the engine of evolutionary change. That is, the species change over time because only the fittest individuals manage to live offspring. The characteristics that make some individuals more suitable and others are different depending on the environment in which they develop. And just like that, generation after generation, the species evolve to adapt to the environment. Today many people accept evolution by natural selection, and even many of us find it obvious. However, in Darwin's time, this theory represented a total revolution against the prevailing religious thought at the time. Since in explaining evolution through natural selection, God's intervention was no longer necessary. For many, this meant accepting the free will of a species, including humans, and Darwin found some opposition to his theory, even among the, the scientific community. The study of evolution has traditionally been divided into two major fields, macroevolution and microevolution. The first, macroevolution, studies the relationships between species, genera, families, and other higher taxonomic groups, and draws on disciplines such as paleontology, geology, biogeography, etc. In contrast, microevolution studies the evolutionary changes that occur between the different populations of a species or between related species and encompasses disciplines such as population, genetics, or ecology. The main difference between the two is the time scale they cover. While macroevolution studies evolutionary changes that occur over millions of years, microevolution generally encompasses changes that are measured in hundreds or thousands of years. But how does evolution work? What does that mean that the species adapt and change over time? Like almost everything in biology, the answer is in DNA. You see, when male and female of any species mate, offspring inherit the combined genetic information from their parents, and this genetic information is contained in DNA. But this DNA is not exactly identical to that of its parents, but contains small variations, called mutations. If these mutations have any effect on the individual carrying them, and this is not always the case, natural selection will be in charge of selecting them or against depending, uh, sorry, will be in charge of selecting them for or against depending on the environment and the type of mutation. And this can cause the individual to reproduce more or less successfully, in turn causing the selected mutation to remain or be removed from the population. Imagine, for example, a population of field mice in Siberia. These mice have to be constantly looking for food to keep their metabolism high and with it body heat. One day a little mouse is born that has a mutation that makes it have more hair. This little mouse will be more protected from the cold and therefore will not need to spend as much time as the others looking for food. Thus, our lucky friend can take advantage of that time to court little mice. 
and their chances of mating will be higher than the rest of the males. If it mates more and leaves more offspring than the rest of the mice, in the next generation there will be more mice with the mutation. If the climate does not change after success, successive generations, all the mice in that population will have the mutation that makes them have more hair. And finally, the population has adapted. Um, that's basically evolution. Well, listeners, I think that will be all for today's episode. I hope I have awakened your curiosity about this science at least a little. The truth is that this is a subject that I love and it is worth to study. Biology is the study of life and with it we can understand how to lead a life in harmony with the other species that share the planet with us. We are the most conscious species in the world so far and for this reason our duty is to take care of nature. She gives us everything we need and was the one that put us here uh, well thank you very much for listening and see you next time